seated. Well, we're going through a series called Real Life, where for the past couple weeks we've been talking about what does it mean to really live a life that's filled with purpose, filled with meaning? What does it mean to have a real life? And throughout this series we've learned that real life starts with Jesus. If you're going to have a real life, then it's got to start with Jesus. And we also learn that it has to be rooted in God's love. If you're having a real life, a life that's filled with purpose and meaning, you start with Jesus. It's rooted in God's love. And we also learn that that love is available to everybody. Everyone is invited to have real life through Jesus and through God's love. And last week, Pastor James talked about how sometimes in life there's going to be struggles. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be problems and issues. That's real life. But God uses those obstacles to call you into a deeper relationship and to learn more about Him. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about what it means to live a real life, a life that's filled with purpose and meaning. And you know, one of the things I think that kind of stops us from having a life filled with meaning and purpose is, to be honest, sometimes we're selfish people, aren't we? Sometimes we have some selfish ambition and we kind of want things to work out the best for us and maybe don't care as much about other people as we should. You know, we usually when any event happens or there's a situation, our first thought is, how does this affect me? How does it affect the people I love the most, my family? We usually don't think about how it affects other people, strangers. That's usually later on in our thought process. Or maybe sometimes we're guilty of going to work and we barely do the minimum because we really just want to get out of there. We get our paycheck and and move on. And when we do that, we're being kind of selfish, right? Because we we could give more. We we could put more effort in. But we know we don't have to. It's not required. And so we choose to be a little selfish. Or one of the ways we're all pretty guilty of, myself included, is we're selfish with our money, right? Right? I mean, we work really hard for our money. It's ours, and we want to spend it how we want to spend it, and maybe not be as generous as we think we could or we think we should. And and sometimes we're guilty of, of being a little selfish. And this is a part of our lives we don't really like to talk about or admit out loud, but it's true, and I'm guilty of all of it too. There are moments and season and days or weeks where I'm a little more selfish than I want to be. And I'm disappointed in myself for that. And, you know, Jesus talks a little bit about how we should be treating other people and and how we should be giving our lives to other people. There's this fascinating story in the book of John, chapter 10, and that's where we're going to be today if you want to follow along in your Bible or on your phone. But John is a guy who, he has a unique perspective on Jesus because he not only lived with Jesus and walked with Jesus and worked with Jesus, But Scripture talks about how John may have been closer to Jesus than other people. John always refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. He talks about this really, really close relationship. And we know that there were times where not all of the disciples were present, but there was only a select few for some different events. And John was always included in those select few. He's like in the inner circle. So in his gospel, we get to read some pretty cool stories that he may have known, but other people didn't. And in John chapter 10, there's a story of Jesus talking with a group of Pharisees. Those are the religious leaders of that time. 
And they were talking about how to treat other people well. Like, how should you treat other people? What's the way you go about that? And in, in normal Jesus fashion, he tells a parable, right? Because Jesus is not one to just say, here's the answer. He always tells a story, and there's a special meaning behind it. And if I'm honest with you for a moment, sometimes I read things that, that Jesus said, and I got no idea what he's talking about. Does that ever happen to anybody else, right? Like, you read it, and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. He's, like, talking about one thing, then he's talking about something else, and there's supposed to be some, like, spiritual meaning here, but I have no idea what it is. Why didn't he just say it, right? <laughs> like, just say the point, and then I'll be good, right? But he loves stories because people love stories, and people get engaged in stories, and they listen to stories. And so he tells the Pharisees a story, a parable, in John chapter 10. I want to see if you can figure out the spiritual meaning behind this parable as you follow along. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Amen, right? So to me, I hear that story, and I'm like, okay, I get it. It's a story, shepherds and sheep and stuff, but I don't really understand what the spiritual part of that is. It didn't seem like there was anything spiritual in that. It's just kind of a story about a shepherd and some sheep, you know? And the Pharisees seem to have that same perspective. And so for me, I had to do a lot of study for this, this message to try to figure out what is going on in this parable and how do I understand it a little bit better as it turns out, the, the people listening to this parable would have understood it in a way maybe we wouldn't. You know, in that day and time, uh, this parable would have taken place in a small Jewish village, and one where, you know, each family most likely would have owned a few sheep. Everyone kind of had a few of them, but nobody had a lot of them to where you would hire a full-time shepherd to take care of your sheep. So a lot of times what happened is a group of, of different families would kind of band together and hire one shepherd together, and that shepherd would take care of each house's sheep. And usually you wanted to hire one of your own kids, somebody's kids, to do that because you know they would do a really good job. Right? You know that your kid or, or your neighbor's kid would be invested and actually care about the sheep and actually try to do a good job because they have some skin in the game. Instead of just hiring some stranger, they would call it a hired hand. But sometimes that was what you had to do too. And you'd have your sheep in a little courtyard next to your house, and there'd be these six-foot walls all around, and there'd be a little opening, and that was where the gate is, and there'd be a gatekeeper there. And when the shepherd would come for the sheep, the gatekeeper would know who the shepherd is, and they would open the gate, and then the, she the sheep would listen for the shepherd's voice and follow him out. Okay, so that's how this worked, and if you were like a thief or an enemy or something, you wouldn't go to the gate, obviously, because the gatekeeper would never let you in. You'd have to go over these sidewalls. So that's the context of what's going on, and it helps us understand Jesus' story 
a little bit better. It makes more sense now when he says the one who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief or a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought them all out on his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they would never follow a stranger. In fact, they would run from him because they don't know his voice. So that story makes a little more sense for us because now we can picture what that would look like in this little village. But again, we come back to, I don't really know what the spiritual point of that story is. I mean, it's just a story about shepherds and, and sheep. And that's kind of the Pharisees' take, too. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. So Jesus tells a second parable, of course, because he doesn't just say the answer. He's going to give us another story, and it comes in verse 7. Jesus says again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I, Jesus says, am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for my sheep. And I read that whole little bit longer parable and I go, okay, I still got questions, Jesus. Okay, you say you're the gate. You say you're the shepherd. Who's the thief? Who's the wolf? Uh, who are the sheep? I think that's us. But who are all these other people in this story? And when I've always read this thing, I kind of just get lost in it. I don't really understand. So I just pick my favorite verse out of it and just say, well, that must be the point of it. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. Boom. Amen. That's a good sermon. Right? I, that's what I would always do with this story is just, just pick the part that I kind of understood and roll with it. And this is true. I mean, this, this is a true statement. Jesus has come to give us life and to give us life to the full, to give us the real life that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. But there's so much more going on in this story that lets us know so much more about what it means to live a real life, life with purpose and meaning. And it's all in the sentence that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for my sheep. You see, this parable, the context for it, where this would have taken place is not in the village that we were talking about before. This story would have taken place out in the countryside. You see, over the summer months, the shepherd would come get all the sheep and they would go out into the country and they would usually spend the night out there. And then when it came nighttime, the shepherd would gather the sheep kind of in an area that is a little bit safer and maybe had some walls or some rocks to, to act as walls, but there's obviously no gates. There's always going to be an opening. So what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would sleep in the opening. And they themselves would act as the gate. 
And so in this parable, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I am also the gate. He's saying in this story, like, I would be the gate. I would be the one that's in the middle to protect the sheep from anything bad that could happen. So in this story, when he says, oh, I'm the gate, he's meaning that's one of my job responsibilities when I'm being the good shepherd of my people. And Jesus says that a good shepherd would lay down his life. A hired hand wouldn't. When we were talking about the families who would hire somebody to take care of their sheep, they wanted somebody who they knew. They wanted somebody who was hopefully one of their kids who were a little bit older. Why? Because they would be a good shepherd. They would take care of the sheep and they wouldn't let the sheep die. If there was just a hired hand, they wouldn't die for those sheep. They would run away. Jesus says it's the same thing for him in life, in real life. He willingly gives his life for us instead of running away from the danger. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And the reason he does that is so that you and I can have real life. Life with meaning and life with purpose. And the more I read this story and the more more I try to understand Jesus being the good shepherd, you know, I realize we're taught to be like Jesus, right? We're supposed to live our lives the way Jesus did. So if he was a good shepherd, maybe we should be good shepherds. Maybe we should be willing to lay down our lives for other people like Jesus did. And as it turns out, that's what he says in Luke chapter 9. Jesus says... Let me get it for you. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. If we want real life, we're supposed to lose our life first. And we read that and we're like, what, what does that mean? Like, do I have to die like Jesus did in order to live? That doesn't make sense. Most likely not, but it does mean we're supposed to be willing to deny ourselves every day, to lay down what we want, what's maybe best for us in every situation, and to think about what's best for other people first. Maybe we're supposed to act more like a good shepherd who takes care of other people than we are supposed to think about ourselves. You see, I'm convinced that we are called to be good shepherds. And the fact that Jesus was a good shepherd, it cost him his life. And if we're called to be good shepherds, I think it's going to cost us our life too. And that's a very uh, a counter message to maybe what's in our culture nowadays. Everything's kind of me, 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 and, and me first, and what's best for me and mine, and, and how do I get ahead, and how do I advance, and, and how do I make things work out for my best interest. And that's kind of what our culture is about, and that's that selfish part of us that wants everything for our own benefit. But then Jesus says, no, you should be willing to lay all that down so that you can enter into a real life of meaning and purpose with me. And it sounds strange to us, but, you know, the same concept is true if you you plant a seed into the ground. When you plant a seed into the ground, the seed looks dead and and buried. But what you've actually done is you just released that seed to live out its purpose. And it's the same concept here. When we finally lay down the things we want 
and our selfish ways to Jesus, we actually find our real life, a life with him. You know, I came across a definition this week of a shepherd's job responsibility back in those times. And I loved it so much, I have to share it with you. It said, a shepherd was responsible for watching out for enemies who were trying to attack the sheep, defending the sheep from attackers, healing the wounded and sick sheep, finding, the sa- finding and saving lost or trapped sheep, loving them, and sharing their lives to earn their trust. And when I read that, I thought, yes, this is exactly how we're supposed to live our lives as followers of Jesus. We're supposed to act just like that as a good shepherd who is watching out for other people who may be in harm, who are there to defend other people who might be in harm. We're supposed to be there to help those who are wounded and sick. We're supposed to be finding and saving the lost sheep. We're supposed to be finding and saving the sheep who are trapped in something that they shouldn't be. We're supposed to be loving those other people and we're supposed to share our lives with them in order to earn their trust. We're called to be good shepherds. We're supposed to take care of people just like Jesus said he did. So much so that we would give our lives for them. You know, being a good shepherd cost Jesus his life. And being a good shepherd would cost you yours as well. But... If you do that, you will find that you enter into real life, a life that's filled with purpose and meaning, because we are called to be good shepherds. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for the good shepherd, for Jesus, and for the way he gave his life for us, the way he always protects us the way he didn't run away in the face of danger like a hired hand would, but instead he gave his life so that we would have real life, a relationship with you. Lord, we ask you to help us to be good shepherds this week, to be people who see people who are hurting, see people who are lost or or trapped in something they shouldn't be, and help us to have the courage to help them, to share a meal, to invite them over, to have coffee together, to just be a listening ear so that we can follow in your footsteps and be good shepherds like you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.